Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. <laughs> I'm Barry from Watford. No, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm Craig Fields. <laughs> and I'm David Long. And you're listening to week 60 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. We've gone out of our way to see as many films in the cinema, even some of the bad ones, and there is a bad one on this week's show, so you, the listener, doesn't have to. We certainly have. David, let's tell the listeners what we have got in store for them today. Oh, well, on today's show, first up, we've got Free Guy, which sees Ryan Reynolds discover he's actually a non-player character in a cutthroat open-world video game. Uh, he stars alongside Jody, Jody Comer, um, Joe Keery, and Taika Waititi. <laughs> I've thrown you uh, off already, haven't it's, I? It's a, that, that's a tongue-twisting... Tirade. A tirade. Uh, then we're taking a look at James Gunn's latest outing with The Suicide Squad. This shouldn't be confused with Suicide Squad. Um, this one sees some of the most dangerous and perhaps not so dangerous supervillains take on a large starfish creature from outer <laughs> space and the armor army of Corto Maltese. Then we're travelling down the Great River with Emily Blunt and The Rock in Jungle Cruise in search of an ancient tree that holds the power to heal. Excellent. Uh, we get old in old. Uh, yep. M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, I can never say his name. M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. There we go. Shyamalan returns to cinema screens in a thriller about family that are on a tropical holiday and end up on a beach with a few other people. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but this is no ordinary beach. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, this beach has the ability to make <laughs> them age rapidly. Yes, it does. And we will rapidly uh, assess this film later in the show. I'm uh, looking forward yeah. to it. Uh, it stars Thomson McKenzie, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, Alex Wolf, Vicky Kripes and Rufus Swell. Uh, Craig then takes on Matt Damon in Stillwater, which <laughs> sees toe David toe which sees an oil rig roughneck travel to Marseille, which is in France, to visit his estranged daughter who is in prison for a murder. Murder. She claims she didn't commit. Uh, and then we both end the show with Coda, which sees a young girl being the only hearing person in her family have to decide between a future for her family. Or future with her family, shall I say, yeah. uh, or going off to live her own life. This stars Amelia Jones, Marley Matlin, Troy Kotsur, Daniel Durant, and Ferdia Walsh Pilo, uh, or Pilo, Pilo. You're correct. I'm cor- I, mean, I am right. I am right. In this <laughs> Apple TV Plus original movie, you know, oh, we are so bad at pronouncing people's names. We are. Notably me. I do practice beforehand, and I get it spot on beforehand, we, we, and then somehow I regress. We both practice, but Craig, alas, we are a little rusty. It's been a while. It's always been a while. Um, Every time we open I the know, show, it's I been know, a while. but we've got busy, busy lives. Things have been happening, Think and big things have been happening. Incredibly big things have been happening. I mean, Barry had, from Watford. <laughs> no, 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 that's a bad impression. Alex Lowe is. 
Barry from Watford, yeah. a character, and it is, oh, Craig, I'm Barry from that is Watford. spot on. Craig was on BBC Three Counties Radio with Barry from Watford. It was a, a really good listen. Craig, you did a great job on that. Um, but that isn't the news, Craig. That is not the big news. No, you've I, had COVID. Well, th- well yes, um, I did have uh, COVID. Um, and it says here, mental health. Yeah, so You've had mental health. No, <laughs> I just wanted to touch upon. Sorry, that was um, a poor taste. That I'm was sorry. a really, <laughs> really bad really taste bad. for you. You've had mental health. Come on, Craig, you should know better. I than really that. should. No, so in I'm the sorry. notes of things to talk about, it's got David has COVID and David's mental health. Yeah, so I had COVID physically. Obviously, I had a rough, rough uh, sort of four or five days, but mentally it was quite tough. Mm. Um, being on my own, you know, I live alone uh, for ten days, and yeah, my mental health isn't great at the moment. Craig is coming. Was it a little bit like Castle? at home yeah do you grow a massive beard I, I mean i've just shaved actually as you can see i've got a lovely trimmed beard mm-hmm. um but no i it was it was just tough um physically i've i've been iller um but mentally it, it was it was difficult um because i think it was you said to me like four or five days i probably wouldn't have gone out anyway mm. um but it was just that knowing you couldn't go out. My flat doesn't have any sort of outside space so i literally didn't see daylight for 10 days turned into a vampire you have got windows I, I have, yeah, but I didn't want to open them and just spread COVID into the world, so... Yeah, but you could have lifted the blinds up. <laughs> well, I just had people looking in on me, looking sorry for myself. And like a, 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 an animal. <laughs> <laughs> like a penned-up wild animal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and Craig can tell I'm I'm suffering a lot with anxiety at the moment. I'm very nervous here in the studio. Yeah, I, um, I'm... I, in all honesty, I, I shouldn't have made that joke. No, no, cool. no. But it's... It, um, yeah, I can definitely see that there is a bit of anxiety going on there. Um, but, but we'll get through the show together. Yeah, I'm looking we'll forward to it. it. And I just wanted to say on on the on the theme on the topic of mental health, if you are struggling at all, I am as is Craig is all, are always here for a chat for you, wonderful listener, if you yeah. need it. But let let stop, you know distracting and and dodging the subject you have a there has been some huge tremendous um news and announcement an event do you want me to tell the listener what's happened or would you like to say i i, I should probably announce it i really. think you should um what was the date let's have a look oh, you, i mean you need to remember that i mean yeah that is a, 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 a significant <laughs> date in the world of my life uh it would have been uh it would have been uh, August the twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. I I I proposed uh, an engagement uh, to to Charis. We are engaged. We we are due to be wed in due course. Congratulations and jubilations and celebrations, indeed, dearest Craig. Um, honestly, when I found out, um, the first thing I text Craig was no. It was actually no. Not as in, uh, this, just to clarify, not as in like, no, you can't do this. It was like, no. Like, wow, that's amazing. But it didn't come across that way, so no. I apologise for that. Craig was like, I'm married, <laughs> and I was like, no, no, you're not. You're not married, engaged, no, you're not. Uh, what else has been happening? Well, um... Well, Film that, festival. well, that was a quick chat about that. <laughs> well, 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 I don't know what else can be said. You're due to be wed. It's going to be a great day. I like weddings, drinks all around. Apart from me. Apart from you. <laughs> Another <laughs> joke in poor taste. Do you think you'd be invited? I, I, would, I would hope so. Do you think you'd be my best man? I don't know. I don't know either. To be honest, with you. <laughs> uh, these are all things that when when you get engaged, you should have said people, no. People, you're you're not the best man. No, I definitively live on air. No, you're you're, you're struggling. This has been no. a really poor taste so far. I know, um, but it's funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you do, you, do you think you'll be the best man? No, no, no. no. Um, 
No, oh, no, people, this is the weird thing about getting engaged. Like people tend to, there's like three different people that you come across. There's the, you know, all in like your friends, of course. Yeah. They all say that the first group of people are incredibly happy for you mm. and ask a gazillion questions about, you know, when's the wedding going to be? Oh, let's have a look at the ring. Oh, let's have a look at this. Oh, what's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? Da, la, la, la. And then you have... Um, and that kind of group of people, they're, you know, that's nice, but it's a bit over the top for us. And then, <laughs> and then you've got the middle group of people who are really happy for you, but don't go into so many details. They just show their love and support and just like are really happy for you. And those are the type of middle people, category of people that I really enjoy. And I think then, that was me, I'd like to say. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. And then you have the third type of people who are, don't say anything. it's like i don't know why but that annoys me more than the people who are over the top um but but there are people that you know you you just want to let you know um this has happened and then there's nothing it's complete silence 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 strange old do you think Um, i'm a bit bitter on that i I think i think you should live and let live oh no i do i do no, it, it it annoys me a little bit because part of me is like I don't want the attention. Yeah, just, I understand. Just, like that. An, just an acknowledgement. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Other than that, that's happened. It's lovely. Um, no dates, nothing to announce. Other than that, and I'm and not the best man live on air. And you, uh, heard it here you first. won't be in. Well, you might be in the running for best man. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Maybe. Blimey, someone with an anxiety condition. I'll be a sh- quivering leaf uh, with can, the speech and see uh, uh sweat is very down. warm here in the yeah. united kingdom at the moment what else has been happening in the world craig well we've had a lot of <laughs> slow down cowboy we could have a chat about this yeah we we've we've had a lot of things going on in the film festival world the film festivals are in full swing films like king richard i forgot um, this was a film podcast spencer the french dispatch <laughs> you just gonna ignore that belfast comment. but to name a few <laughs> what is uh, wrong with you? have have been announced <laughs> um at the Telluride Film Festival. Uh, we've had Venice, um, Toronto coming up. Um, I've been following this on film Twitter. Uh, I suppose the biggest news, Craig, from, from the festivals would Is probably... Is it that I've been press accredited to the London Film Festival, but well, you haven't? Well, that is a, a, a sore spot. <laughs> um, you haven't actually not been approved yet. So Craig's going to the London Film Festival. I am not um, because he's been approved and I haven't at, at the moment, um, but we will see what we can do about that. But no, the biggest news from the from the film festivals <laughs> is Craig's in a really weird mood um, the, the, this evening. It's quite late. I don't know what's going on. I did give him a monster energy. We're not sponsored by energy drinks. We should be um, to, to perk him up, but he seems to be Dodging the, 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 the film festival, basically what I wanted to say, Christian Stewart plays Princess Diana in the biopic Spencer. Loads of Oscar buzz. Uh, she's become the bookmaker's favourite to win Best Actress. There's Oscar buzz for Will Smith in King Richard. There's variety of Oscar talk for Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Belfast is a film I've heard a lot about. Um, and award season is really beginning to take shape. And I'm hoping to bring you... Um, Isn't Belfast the uh, Kenneth Branagh? Yes. Uh, like semi autobiographical biopic. I believe so. That is. Um, it's of, I didn't realise he was Irish. Tumbleweed. 
No, but he is. He is. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, um, no, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the um, the other interesting thing is, is I was in Belfast. Yes, you were. You went to you try. You, you, dear listener, he has been everywhere. I know. Engaged Belfast. Uh, I've, uh, to, to, yeah, I've been on a winery. I've been on a wine tasting <laughs> tour. I've, I've before the show. I think. I, yeah, it might as well. <laughs> um, it's been a busy couple of weeks, yeah. and this is why we are delayed in getting things up because I've just been living life to just the absolute been, max. You know, it, you've been we've been in lockdown for a long time, and then you know things all happen at once, yeah. and you like to enjoy your life, and then we're back to doing this again. Um, so obviously, we not do, that I don't. It not I, I do enjoy it. <laughs> we do want to just apologise for the the lack of content, but we you know we have lives well Craig Craig has a life um, <laughs> you've been locked away <laughs> and passed by watching in the window I thought when I was like earlier I spent 10 days alone you were just going to be like well no difference there then um. <laughs> no, 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 normally you go out and you see people you know you see the, like you know strangers in the street and whatnot and <laughs> Uh, people that you work with, and friends, you know, um, uh, Christian churchgoers. Yes, I do. I'm a churchgoer. Yeah. Your mum, your dad. Oh, we don't need to go into all the people I see. Anyone else? That's it. Okay. Mum, um, dad, couple of church friends, and and, and you. <laughs> you haven't seen me for a while. And on that bombshell. <laughs> no, no, we ain't moving on yet. Oh, uh, this is a long intro, Craig. I'm tapping my wrist here. We got, we got to crack on. This is a film review podcast. All right. Oh, oh! And in that case, he is going to cue up the theme music, and uh, we're going to kick off the show. Unless there's anything else you want to say with uh, with Free Guy. Congratulations again, dearest Craig. <laughs> Apologies about that introduction. It wasn't great, was it? It was just very waffly, controversial. Waffly. Most people will have skipped over it and gone straight to the film review. So if that's know. you, welcome. Welcome to the Is It Worth It film review podcast week 60. And our first <laughs> review is Free Guy. Uh, this is a bank teller discovering he's actually a background player in an open world video game. Uh, he decides to become the hero of his own story, one that he can rewrite himself. In a world where there's no limits, he's determined to save the day his way before it's too late and maybe find a little romance with the coder who conceived him. That synopsis was a little weirder than it was supposed to get. Um, <laughs> but either way, here's a clip from Free Guy. Hold the fudge. You mean to tell me that nobody snapped up those bad boys? Today's the day. Like every other day. I'll be back for those. Oh, he's so close. Mm, this is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. I want to write a song about it. I want to dance to that song. It's my body. I love my life. It's about finding your lane and just staying in it. That's why they call them comfort zones. They're so damn comfortable. Oh, yo! Oh, Mondays, am I right, Joe? You said it, guy. So that was a clip from Free Guy, which stars Ryan Reynolds. Um, where do I begin with this film? Well, it's going to be a, a somewhat off-the-cuff review because I don't think it's the kind of film where you can really do a lot of notes, a lot of analysis. Um, I went into the film with um, mixed expectations. So I'd seen the trailer and I wasn't blown away by the trailer. It didn't. I'm not a big gamer. 
Um, I will list the games that I like to play. FIFA, like a game of FIFA. I've beaten Craig many times on FIFA back in the day. Yeah, I do. I forgot about that. Yeah, we used to enjoy a game of FIFA and Grand Theft Auto. That is pretty much the only two games I've ever played on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One or whatever the latest games console. So... I actually spoke to my manager at work about this. Apparently, a lot of the gamers that feature in this film are actually major YouTube sort of certified streamers. Streamers who yeah. who stream and game and do other things. Yeah. Um, so that all went over my head. But in terms of what I actually thought of this film, I was really, really surprised. Like, I genuinely, genuinely enjoyed it. The first thing about it is it's very, very engaging. Like, um, the actual style of it, the actual themes in the film are engaging. The characters are, are, are well fleshed out. But I think what really makes this a good film, and, and one of the reasons I really enjoyed it, is it's genuinely funny. Like, I laughed a lot during this movie. And there are other films in this show that I think try to be funny, and I didn't laugh. Um, it's also well paced, um, and I did make a couple of notes, and one of the notes that I put was original. Now, I don't know how true that is. I'll be honest, I'm not an expert as in film as maybe as, mu as much as I would like to pretend I am. Has this concept been done before? Maybe, maybe not. I'll be honest, I don't know. Um, it does pay homage a little bit to things like The Truman Show um, and Groundhog Day. I got a real Groundhog Day um, vibe from it. But before I bring you in, what I would say about this film, I don't know why, I, I, I'm a bit down on myself at the moment. I'm I'm not a film expert, I literally just said there. I'd like to think I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. But before I bring you back in, <laughs> um, Ryan Reynolds is just perfectly cast in this. Like, this is Ryan Reynolds in a Ryan Reynolds film that was preordained before the very foundation of the earth. Like, when God made the good earth... He made Ryan Reynolds for this film. That's that's what I have to say about it. I mean, that's pretty big. That's, that's <laughs> huge thing. That's a huge thing to say. Um, Do you know what I mean, though? This was like a Ryan Reynolds yeah. role to a T. And, and Ryan Reynolds is a huge name at the minute. He has been for he has been for some years yeah. now. Um, at the moment, he's in every film from The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard to Crude's Two, and of course now Free Guy. He's got his finger in every single pie that you can think of from. Mm high profile businesses um there's like he's got he owns a whiskey company i think at one point or he might have sold it by now he i think it was aviation or something it was called don't know if you Not saw sure. the adverts for any of those um he's bought a football club over here quite recently oh, if really? you don't if you haven't heard about that I him did. and some other guy a famous actor i can't remember his name it's, yeah they i bought, had heard about this yeah in the national league i think yeah i think yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, he's 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 huge. He he he, he whatever he turns his mm. hand to, he he you know the news follows, and it's always something interesting and funny. Or you know, Ryan Reynolds, very Ryan Reynolds, and this film is that. It is very Ryan Reynolds, and it reminded me, yes, of Grand Theft Auto. Mm. In the video game esque uh, titles, but also Lego Movie. Um, there, there's this real similarities yeah. in time in terms of the type of character that he is. That he sort of has this moment of realization as to who he is and what where he is, and you know where he's going in life, and and that sort of thing. Um, 
interestingly i i think the film (laughs) it it was funny it was very funny Mm. but i don't think it hit all the marks in my opinion um that being said it it did uh it did something to me where i was unexpectedly happy to see the film succeed if you see what i mean i I didn't from from seeing the trailer i thought this was going to be really really poor Mm. um but this was a, this was one film that I saw the trailer for pre-lockdown, I think, pre-COVID. This was going to come out ages ago. Yes, and, you and, are right about and, that. And didn't. And it wasn't one that I was terribly excited for then. And it wasn't one that I was terribly excited to go back to the cinema for this time. But I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And I think I think a shout out must be had to Jodie Comer, who stills the show in the film, I think. Between her and Ryan Reynolds, they are absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, she's she's going to be everywhere. I I think she's going to be one of the biggest Hollywood stars in the next few years. She's going to be doing some big big films. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, what more? Can we say about this film? Well, I think you've got some notes, haven't you? Uh, well, yeah. No, one of the things that um, I did make a couple of notes for this, just that there's a real sweet and heartwarming undertone to this film that I wasn't expecting. So I was expecting it to be quite gratuitous and violent and over-the-top humour and in-your-face, whereas actually the, the underlying messages are sort of about discovering who you are and your place in the world and where you fit in in society was was just really good. And there was... One of my favourite scenes was where Ryan Reynolds' character goes into um, a coffee shop and and he realises he's not this, um, I forget what it's called, um, first person player, what's it? Oh, uh, an an NCP or something. No, no, that's a car park, isn't it? (laughs) NPC. Yeah, non-player character. Non-player character. And he he always orders the same coffee. And he goes against that and orders a different coffee. And the the person behind the the, the barista nearly has a heart attack. Happened in Cineworld the other day. Always go for an iced black Americano. And I just said, I'll have an Americano. She said, no ice? (laughs) (laughs) Just this look of horror on her face. And it's true. We broke the AI. (laughs) We we get into these rhythms and these routines. And there's, there's an undertone and there's a message about sort of pursuing your dreams and breaking off the shackles of society. Taika Waititi plays this very over the top villain that only Taika Waititi could play um, with very sort of Antoine. Yeah. On the nose dialogue. There are issues with the film. Uh, It's a little bit clunky at times, but overall, you know, I wasn't expecting to enjoy this and I really, really did. And like I said, I don't think it's one you can go into too much detail with, but it's one that really surprised me. There were some really good um, crossovers with other films and other games and stuff. And one surprising moment was where there was a Marvel Disney crossover. Uh, Of course, um, Free Guy is owned or was a 20th Century Fox or 20th Century Studios production, uh, which is obviously owned by Disney. So they were allowed to have that kind of crossover. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone saw the latest trailer for the film, uh, which dropped, which had this sort of interview with Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool, possibly. There was that in there. They wasn't played there? this before the film. Yeah. Which was really weird, I thought. They yeah. had an advert for the film I was watching before the film. It was just like, okay, yeah, it I'm was about weird. to watch this. So it was like, this is Ryan Reynolds, but then then they had Dude 
who is a character in, in the film mm. who is a, a version of guy in the film <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, that he i mean and the, the trailer was that trailer was great but that trailer didn't spoil the film i yeah. don't think and i think that was really well done really good piece of marketing um which is un, unusual for these sort of films they mm. tend to spoil or they tend to to misguide and, and that's something where marvel does something quite well they always seem to subvert the viewer with their trailers they always throw spanners in there yeah. that throw yeah. you off and when you see the actual film there's, there's... hello peter yeah i mean have you seen it <laughs> yeah well the trailer yes you've seen the new spider-man trailer it yeah, looks it's, incredible it looks mind-blowing if it, i'm honest it does whilst you're on that train of thought as well though shun chi yeah and the legend of the ten rings can't wait to review that one with you. Okay, thanks for that. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. That'll be on the next episode of Is It Worth I have it, I seen believe. it. I saw it yesterday, and I really can't wait to review that. I uh, I have not seen it. It's one of the very few films I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of films recently uh, since I came out of quarantine, and that's one I'm due to see tomorrow, I think. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Um, should we get to the questions? And I think one? we should. Okay. Craig. <laughs> Free guy. Is it worth it? Yes, I do think Free Guy is worth going to see in the cinema. I think it's a great family outing. Reminder, it is a 12A. There is some violence in the film, but a lot less than we were expecting. Uh, it's one that will uh, surprise you with some of the more sentimental moments within the film, as well as all of the exciting references to gamers that your children will undoubtedly know, whereas us oldies will certainly not. But nonetheless, <laughs> but not we will old. get a kick out of it. I'm 30, David, and so are you. That's not old, Craig. We could have listeners in their 90s. Is. Imagine that. David, <laughs> free guy, is it worth it? Look, for everything that Craig just said, yes, it's worth it. I think it's funny. It's got a real sort of sweet, heartfelt, warm undertone to it. It is a 12A, so it's not as sort of, you know, it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. There, I certainly probably wouldn't take anyone less than 10 to it. Um, mm-hmm. it, in my opinion, um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a really solid film, and it's it's just a good, good, good lord, that absolutely scared the life out of me. I pressed the wrong button. It's just stop pressing buttons. It's a good film. Go and watch it in the cinema. And that was the actual button that I was supposed <laughs> to press. Will you leave that in? Might as well. Oh, what a shame. So, our second review on week 60 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast is The Suicide Squad. Um, The government sends the most dangerous supervillains in the world, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn and others, to the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Armed with high-tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search and destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. Craig has kindly sourced a clip. I haven't heard it, so I'm looking forward to it. So let's take a listen. Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're sweating in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't... Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission went more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out. Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. 
member has chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. So that was a trailer clip from the Suicide Squad. Um, where do I kickstart with this? <laughs> Blimey. I suppose let's start off from the very top. James Gunn is on the directing seat and writing seat for the Suicide Squad. It's uh, it's not a film that I expected James Gunn to take on simply because he is the MCU. He is part of Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's the director of Guardians 1 and 2 and soon to be 3. Um, so for him to come over to the Suicide Squad onto the DC Universe was a bit of, a bit of a surprise. But there was a bit of a falling out um, with James Gunn and Disney when a tweet resurfaced. I don't know if you heard about this and he was thrown off Guardians 3. Um, and then I believe he took on the Suicide Squad. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> but then he was reinstated because the entire cast of Guardians 3 said they wouldn't do it unless he'd come back. <laughs> so, I mean, the tweet the, the tweet was very old and it was very silly and he apologised. Yeah. You know, it, uh, yeah. all very silly. Anyway, so this is, again, not to be confused with Suicide Squad. This was uh, David Ayer's 2016 failure of a movie, um, which actually starred Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Um, Will Smith was dead shot instead of Idris Elba in this reincarnation in uh, James Gunn's version. Um, we have Viola Davis reprising her role as Amanda Waller um, and the various other uh, uh, characters that didn't make the grade and those that did had some slight changes in actors and actresses. Um, it's all very strange, this sense of having to almost remake a film, but not remake a film. Um, where does this fit in with the wider DC universe that we have or DCEU or DC, was it DC? Yeah, they call it DCEU, DC Extended Universe is how it goes. All of these acronyms and <laughs> uh, drives me mental. ABC. Easy as not DCEU. <laughs> Honestly, it drives me absolutely bananas. Um I believe Rick Flagg, who is a, um, or Colonel Rick Flagg, is, is, has the same actor in, uh, from the original Suicide Squad reprising his role. Um, and it's, it's, let me just try and find who is playing him. Oh, it's Joel Kinnaman um, who plays Rick Flagg and he, repri he does reprise that role. And it's, um, it's interesting because... In James Gunn's version, Rick Flagg takes on this more... I, I don't know, the role becomes more suitable for him. The, the the character is way more emotionally expanded and, and a lot more well-rounded. And the film, whilst I know for you, David, the film takes on a life of its own in, in a way that this is probably displeasing to you. In fact, mm. I know it is, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. It's vastly 150 times better than the David Iyer cut of his, his movie. And when I say a David Iyer cut, it wasn't David Iyer. Well, he contests that Warner Brothers edited his film down quite considerably, and there is a version of his version of the film out there that is significantly better do i think that that film would be significantly better i don't think so i think mm -hmm. it was plagued with problems from the very start i think it wasn't they tried to make it like guardians from the trailer that was originally cut for that film they failed so they got the director of guardians in to make a film like that 
how it all fits in, though, it just... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I mean, honest, honestly, I mean, we've got The Flash coming out sometime next year, I think, which yep. has Michael Keaton reprising his Batman. We've got Matt Reeves' Batman with Robert Pattinson in that leading role. Yep. You've got Ben... What's his name? Be a bit more specific. Not Ben Stiller, because I can't imagine ben him. Ben Affleck. Ben Stiller playing Batman. <laughs> ben Affleck's Batman in numerous Batman films yep. and possibly reprising that Batman in another film. It's all over the place. Yeah, and it's, it's shoddy. Nice. It's so bad. But this, as a standalone movie, for me, was incredibly entertaining. I, I am one that... I mean, I'm in the league of people that are singing this film's praises, was hugely entertained by it, acknowledges that there are some problems with it. Mm. However, it made me laugh from the very beginning. I knew it wasn't a serious film, I but, but was entertained, engaged, and, and thought it was a well-made film. This is where you step in. Yeah, you see, I couldn't disagree more, and I've thought a lot about what to say about this film and I think it's important to note I know Craig isn't a fan but I am in a minority when I say this and I and I genuinely mean this I absolutely hated this movie and I really mean hated it like I hated everything about it and I am in a minority from 341 critic reviews it gets 91% on on Rotten Tomatoes 82% from the audience from over two and a half thousand reviews Critically and specifically critically, 91% is a very, very high score for a movie of its type. Gets, you know, it's praises sung by the audiences. So I went in with very, very high expectations. I was in mentally a pretty good place, up for a laugh. And I don't know what it is about this film and I can't pinpoint it. So if Craig thinks we're going to have this argument where he says, well, the cinematography was great. And I go, well, the cinematography was bad. And then he says about this was great. And I go, no, that was bad. It's not going to be like that because I can't pinpoint what I didn't like about this film because I didn't like anything about the film at all. Um, I wasn't invested in the characters. Um, I really didn't laugh. So, People around me were laughing. Admittedly, some fl- some jokes fell flat. I'm sure it was the same in your screening as well. Yeah, Although I mean, that is contested. <clears throat> I've listened to other people review this movie and they say that they were laughing throughout. Um, I just didn't get it. Um, I don't know what about it I didn't get, but I just didn't get it. I thought the jokes weren't funny. Um, I didn't like the over-the-top gratuitous, very gratuitous violence. Um, I thought it was quite tasteless at times. Um, I but just, that's the thing, David. This is a film that's that that is called the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Already to begin with, you yeah. know what you're getting. Um, we know that these are they're, they're not heroes. They they are supervillains. These are people who have done bad, and yet they are somehow managing to actually find an emotional connection with a with each other. And yet, granted, they're being forced to to do something here. But Literally, the, yeah. but but the good within them does seem to prevail. And shines through. I mean, there's one particular scene that takes place on a bus that I thought was really, 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 really good. There's, there's actually this. This will hark back to uh, a film that we will review in the future, and a film that we review, we'll, we have already reviewed. Uh, so nobody has a scene that takes yeah, place on the yeah. bus that has some amazing action and and um, subverts you because you just have this unexpected 
uh, uh, thing take place on this bus. I was unexpected in the Suicide Squad when this bus scene took place because there, there I didn't expect such a um, huge emotional pull to happen uh, with a flashback that takes place starring um, Taika Waititi as well as the Rat Catcher and uh, his daughter, the Rat Catcher too, were were yeah, in yeah. that scene, and it was quite. Um, pulled on the heartstrings a little bit, and and it, it may, mostly took place with uh, uh, Idris Elba's character um, Bloodsport, and and I thought actually yeah this is this is cool. There's there's some reason behind why these people are in these positions and what they're doing about it, and and there is motive behind a lot of what's going on here. That being said, as well, the future film that I will talk about where a, a bus scene takes place is is. Um, Second time to mention this, um, Shung Chai, uh, Shung Chi, should I say, <laughs> get that correct? Um, there is a bus scene on that, David. I can't wait for you to see. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to reviewing it. I wish I'm we reviewed like, it on this episode. I hope I hope I like it. <laughs> so do I. So so yeah. I mean, it's there is a lot to like about this film, and I think uh, there's more to like than there is to dislike. Yes, yes, there is some things that go way over the top and to the point where it's a little bit silly but it's still really enjoyable like it, you do have to be i think in the real right frame of mind to be watching this film um i don't think there's any better place to sit in the cinema i i, I totally agree with that um, you know seeing a, a 50 foot starfish on the screen <laughs> It's bigger than fifty foot. It's, yeah, it's, it's probably a lot bigger. Thousands of feet, probably. It's um, the biggest starfish I've ever seen. <laughs> it's huge. It is a ridiculous character in the film. I suppose it's a character, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I think this is like a million times better. Why than... did I feel sorry for that starfish? I mean, I did as well. I felt some empathy there. I mean, that was that was the uh, that was the only real emotional. Heartstring that was pulled was for a giant, massive alien invading starfish, aquatic space fish. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't mess around. Um, I, I, I've spoken to a few people, and and people say the same thing: that oh, don't take it too seriously, David. You know, take your film critic hat off and go in with the popcorn and enjoy it. And I really did try. I, I don't like giving bad reviews, I, and I certainly don't like making myself look, look a fool. You know, the Rotten Tomato scores are very, very high. You know, the critics have raved about this film, but I, I genuinely, when I was watching this, thought, am I watching the wrong film? Because I came out and I and I read some articles, you know, including articles from the likes of, I think it was The Guardian that gave it a great review, and I listened to other podcasts that I enjoy listening to in my private time, and they gave it rave reviews, and I listened to the arguments they put forward, and, and normally podcasts I listen to and I agree with these people I, th I just couldn't disagree more with them I really didn't like this film and like I said I wish I could sit here and give you concrete evidence and reasons why but I just can't and maybe that reflects badly on me and maybe I look like a fool and if I look like a fool I apologize I'd love for you to go and see it again <sighs> but honestly Craig it is the cl I can't walk out of cinema screenings I can't Not you, you know our, You'd be fired. our, our job is to go out of our way to see the films, even the bad ones, so the listener doesn't have to. But I wanted to walk out. Like, I really didn't like this film. There was a film I was in a couple of nights ago. I won't say what it was. I'll save that for a review on the next show. An elderly couple walked out. I felt really sorry for them. There's nothing worse than going to the cinema and being disappointed and having to leave. But, no, I just... I, I really didn't like it. And it's not like I... 
you know, we've I've come round to the superhero genre much more on the MCU side um, than the DCEU, however, however the bloody hell you say it. Um, but no, this I I I just did not like this film at all. And if you and want you know concrete that's reasons, that's why. okay. That's okay. But 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 you do have to back it up with some reasoning behind what there was that you didn't like about it in some essence. Like like what was there that that you were disappointed with or you didn't I felt like? no connection to the characters um so yeah. no fear of them they they have this it's no secret they have this chip in their head that if they go against the orders of Viola Davis's characters they'll have their head blown up um I had no real I was like blow them all up blow their heads off get it over and done with I'll go home you now I've got a, a, a slow lamb shank in the oven that I need to attend to <laughs> do you know I, I didn't engage with the characters when people were laughing I wasn't laughing um, I didn't think I just didn't like it Craig I'm surprised I did think this would have been more of your sort of film in the sense that it was just pure gratuitous chaos, chaos and entertainment and it was that like it didn't need you to do anything other than just watch it and 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 be entertained and are you not entertained? <laughs> wow, that was weird. <laughs> That's the first thing that came into my head. Yeah, it was the first thing that came to my Russell head. Russell Crowe, Gladiator. Um, um, but yeah, no, I, you know what? I, I I've said everything that I could to 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 say what what I liked about it and why I liked it and and I would love to see more from this universe. I know that there is going to be. A John Cena um, um, spin-off. spin-off, yeah. I mean, it's not John Cena playing John Cena. It is literally John Cena playing his character within the film, but I don't know what he's playing. I've forgotten. Oh, Peacemaker it was, wasn't it? Um, with his ridiculous tin can head <laughs> um, and whatnot outfit. At no. least he didn't zip wire across the whole of a major European city. Exactly, like he did in F9. I mean, I mean, that was. I think that was a terrible film. Well, we spoke about this off air, didn't we? I, I would rather watch F9 than Suicide Squad. But how does that suspend your belief more than this? I don't understand. Like this, this film, right? Has more groundedness within it than the a fast giant and... alien starfish is yeah. more grounded. I mean, because than that's F9. not beyond the realms of impossibility because oh come on because because just because we haven't seen something like that before an alien race doesn't mean it doesn't exist does it but a starfish really but john cena like you know traveling across the whole width of wherever it was london or glasgow or whatever and you know that's just ridiculous and you know the vin diesel becoming a superhero in a film franchise that where he wasn't even superhuman before look F9 was ludicrous, but are you saying that it's more likely for a giant alien starfish to invade planet Earth than for a man to be able to zip wire across a city? Uh, For an entire, across the entire face of the city? That was ludicrous, but your argument is flawed. I don't think it is. I didn't like the the bad guy. I felt sorry for this giant starfish. Um, Yeah, I was just really disappointed with it, but I... I will agree with Craig. If you're going to see this, there is no better place to see it than the cinema. The big screen, the surround sound, it's got a lot of vivid colours. You know, I will say the costume design in it's good, the hair and makeup, and this kind of... I kind of like the shark. Um, do you know who that was I thought played? he was cool. We haven't know? asked the questions yet. No, I know. But do you know who he was played by? Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. I did know that, yeah. Mmm, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can you say? A talking shark with hands, a giant starfish. Me hungry. Yeah, thanks for that, Greg. Uh, yum, yum. 
the joke's wearing thin. It was never funny in the first place. Is it <laughs> but look, no, look, I'm willing to I'm willing to be honest and open with the listener and say I just didn't like it and so, I hope I've given you some reason uh, a little as bit. to why. A little bit. Uh so David, the Suicide Squad, is it worth it? Look, I, I genuinely don't think this film is worth seeing. Um, I, ju- I just did not enjoy it from start to finish. I didn't like the humour. I didn't like the character development. I didn't like the overall premise. Look, maybe, um, and I am worried about this, Craig, I will be honest, I am worried that I'm just becoming dead inside and too snobbish and too critical and too um, looking too much into stuff that doesn't need to be looked into. So I will say, if if this kind of film is your cup of tea, I think you might enjoy it. And if you want to see it, go and see it in the cinema. But for me, it's a big no-no. But, hey, I'm, I'm in a minority. And I probably look an idiot. People are probably listening to this going, that man, that bald fraud, what an idiot. <laughs> Craig, for you, The Suicide Squad, is it worth it? Yes, I do think this is very much so worth seeing, especially in the cinema. Um, I think it's it's brash, it's bold, it's colourful, it's entertaining, it's funny. It, it has some heart. It doesn't have all the heart, like David really said, that it had no heart, but I think that it does have heart in places. Um, that bus scene in particular really did pull at the heartstrings. Um, and, and I think it was uh, fun, really fun, and... And very enjoyable. My, I took my brother to see it. I watched it once in the morning. I told my brother how much I enjoyed it. He said he'll come with me to see it again. I saw it a second time in the evening and I found it just as entertaining. Sounds like the worst on day the ever. Second, second watch. <laughs> Dean absolutely loved it as well. And he said, I don't understand what David is saying. Genuinely, he said that. He said, he said that he really enjoyed it. He thought it was really well written, really well acted. Um, and that's why Dean doesn't have a podcast and I do. <laughs> I mean, generally, David, you're pretty good at this, but I think this time you're so totally wrong. Sorry, this Dean. Is very much so. <laughs> that was funny. Come on. For someone who's been doing bad jokes all episode, that, that was a good joke. Good old Dean. Mom. So our next review on week 60 is Jungle Cruise and this sees Dr. Lily Horton enlist the aid of wisecracking skipper Frank Wolf to take her down the Amazon in his ramshackle boat. Together they search for an ancient tree that holds the power to heal, a discovery that would change the future of medicine and the world forever. Let's take a little (laughs) listen to a clip from Jungle Cruise. If you look to the left of the boat, you'll see some very playful toucans. They're playing their favorite game of beak wrestling. The only drawback is only two can play. There's two birds and those are toucans and saying there's only two can play. Not one, but two can play. The rocks you see here in the river are sandstone, but some people just take them for granted. It's one of my bolder attractions. You know, before this, I used to work in an orange juice factory, but I got canned. Couldn't concentrate. Yeah, they put the squeeze on me, too. That's a good one. I should have opened with that one. 
<laughs> yeah, so I mean that wasn't the best clip. To, to... I think that was a tremendous clip that no. you sourced there. Okay, so this film is inspired by the classic Disney uh, theme park attraction. You've mm. been to Disney World, haven't you? I have. Have indeed, you seen yeah. the Jungle Cruise? Um, I've been on it. You've I've, been on I've it. I've been on the Jungle Cruise. Yeah. In uh, now, I'm not sure. This is where I haven't done my research. I'm not sure if the original ride was in Los Angeles or if it was in Disneyland Florida. Um, but I have been on the one in Florida. Um, and I can, what the film does do well is it really like Pirates of the Caribbean. A lot of people may not know that the Disney film or franchise, the Pirates of the Caribbean was my apologies. That's my phone, (laughs) um, was based upon the theme park ride. And if you've ridden the Pirates of the Caribbean, there's a number of probably the most, one of the most famous bits on the ride is when the guys are in the, in the prison and they're trying to get the dog over with a bone and the dog's got its keys in its mouth. That's in the original ride. Um, and one of the things this film did a great job in was ca- capturing that real family friendly adventure that the jungle cruise ride is um that that's what this film did well yeah um, and something that i am probably going to get slated for here is possibly saying that this this did what pirates of the caribbean couldn't do and that was that was create something that was actually incredibly entertaining and I'm not saying Pirates of the Caribbean wasn't entertaining, but it just this somehow managed to capture my imagination far more than Pirates of the Caribbean. I think this this did uh, it brought us actors and actresses in uh, Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, um, something that Johnny Depp and the rest of like Keira Knightley and those sort of just they couldn't bring what this film. Did. And I, I much prefer this in the sense that this is a theme park turned movie franchise of some sort out of the two, because you kind of have to compare them um, out of the two. I think this this is so much better done. And I think the production design says a lot about it as well. And the production design was by uh, Gene Vincent Puzo, Puzos. If I said your name Puzos. wrong, Puzos. I, I, you know, I am. I should get sacked for this. <laughs> um, who built the set? He built the set in Hawaii. Um, but a little fact here, they wanted to shoot it in, in the Amazon. Um, but to shoot the plates for that, for the green screen and the backdrops, it would have taken them so much longer than actually building a set in something that looked quite similar Mm. in Hawaii. So they did that, and that really managed to, to, I think, boost the way that the actors interacted with the sets and the way that they interacted with each other, and it, it, it just sort of made everything more tangible. Because it is tangible, it is a real life, amazing set, and you, they, you, what you would see is them go through doors and come out the other side of the door mm. in real time, in real life, and that doesn't happen in a lot of these films, and it certainly didn't happen in Pirates of the Caribbean because a lot of it was shot on plates or on green screen, and they, so a, a plate is basically a pre-recorded backdrop yeah. filmed and then put in the on in on top of the green screen to make it look real this doesn't have a whole lot of that it does have it but it's much mm. smaller in terms of the scale of it the, the sets are just so much more real and in in the in location and on set and and in place and for me that boosts the whole production tenfold for me um i as i've said already i've really really enjoyed it really enjoyed it yeah, really like, for me, you know, what what I liked about this film is that it is that fun, family f- 
friendly adventure. And it's just really, really solid from Disney. I'm glad you mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean because I got a real Pirates of the Caribbean and the mummy kind of vibe, you know, Brendan Fraser's mummy, which was came yeah. out in like 90 something or maybe even early noughties. I'm not sure, but it's considered a, not a classic, but it's con- it's a bit of a cult classic. Like yeah. People like The Mummy. Oh, it's yeah. not going to win any awards, but it's sort of that heartfelt family fun. Um, the thing about this film, Craig, is I did put in my notes, it's so predictable, it's so generic, and it's so unoriginal that it has the potential to be flat and uninspiring, and I do gen- genuinely believe that. However, for me, it's saved by those good production values, but it's mostly saved by the genuinely good performances from The Rock, from Emily Blunt, Jake Whitehall, not a huge fan of... Jack. The- Jack, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right, Jack. Uh, Got you back. Do you know, do you know what? I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Jack Whitehall, and, and I know he does a series with his dad, and I'm not a huge fan of that, but I thought his performance was really, really good. Jesse Plemons as this really over-the-top German bad guy. Nazi. Uh, he was an artist yeah I suppose I I should probably be careful and not just call them bad guys they were pretty horrific Um, but he was playing a Nazi yeah 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 genuinely Um, Paul Giamatti um, you know and for me this was some of The Rock's best work like that clip I know people will say that's terrible writing they're bad dad jokes but the way he delivers them he delivers them like the dad badly but well in light of of the kind of role it is i i really enjoyed this film i was expecting not to like it i was expecting it to be a bit of a disney cash cow in the sense that it's that big summer blockbuster that they know is going to get bums on seats even during covid times it's going to entice people out to the cinema and i think it's done all of those things we haven't um got the numbers in front of us but i think its takings have been reasonable um, yeah i mean it's it its simultaneous release on Disney Plus um, with Premier Access, similar yeah. to how Black Widow was, there's going to be a huge loss at box office for that. But it is it is bringing bums out on seat. Now, again, I mentioned for the third time, um, uh, Shang Chi is is <laughs> another obsessed. thing, but it's not that hasn't got the simultaneous release yeah. like all of these other Disney films and. It's pulling in the box office numbers. It's it's now the second or f- it's the first biggest film or it's got it's got the most amount of takings this year since covid basically okay um black widow in second and black widow obviously had the simultaneous release yeah. this is only going to go on and make more because because the word on the street with shang chai chi sorry is that it's it's, it's brilliant and yeah. and people are telling each other that and people are going to go to the cinema to see it and the question on everyone's lips are, are these films worth going to see and worth the risk? Mm. Obviously, we are saying whether the films are worth seeing in the cinema, but now we kind of almost have to risk assess that. And we almost have to tell people whether it's worth going to see if you're a bit nervous about going to the cinema, mm. if you're... I understand that. Sort of COVID-related. Now, we have to factor that in into our, is it worth it? Because this can be seen on Disney Plus at the same time. So when we when we say when I ask you the question, try and factor that in and when mm. when and uh, and bring an answer to that. Um, is there any more that you wanted to say about this film? 
Um, I've said I think the acting's brilliant in it. I love the score. So the score is from James Newton Howard. Uh, he's one of my favourite uh, film composers, actually. It's a really good score, and actually a score that I re-listened to subsequently because I'm such a fan of, of James Newton Howard. So I re-listened to the score. And when you listen to this score, it feels like if you were to close your eyes, I could almost imagine being in Disney World. Like, it just has a real... It's the most Disney score. Did he, did he score Disney World as well? I, like, I, it is I, a background music that I've started playing unnoticeably. There's a lot of sound effects, like animals in, in, the, uh, in the Amazon and in this kind of stuff, but there's not... I, I don't think there's a score on the original ride. Um, the weaknesses of the film, I thought some of the CGI was perhaps a little bit ropey at times, um, and if you were going to criticise it, and this is me with my critics hat on, mm. um, perhaps the screenplay was lacking in some areas. Um not, I'm not going to say lazy writing, but just some parts of it could have been maybe a bit tighter, a little bit sharper. But overall, for the performances, for the, I, it just felt like a wholesome family meal. Yeah, this felt yeah. like something that you could really, you know, and and to sort of preempt the question you mentioned about COVID. Um, my personal opinions on on COVID aside, and is it safe to go out, etc. Is this worth going to see in a cinematic? setting yes um i know you haven't asked me the question but in light of that risk there is there is a, there we're always going to have a risk but in light of that i think this is worth seeing on the biggest screen possible because it's it's a fun warm family film that requires popcorn it demands popcorn and i mean dogs. you can buy that and take it home with you though what do you oh, mean popcorn oh it's not the same, though, is it? Out of a bag. <laughs> it's not hot and freshly popped. I mean, it can be if you put it in the microwave. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, we're a film review podcast. We're supposed to encourage people to the cinema. I know. Get I a know. bag of popcorn and watch it at home. Devil's advocate on your side there. Um, what I will say is that something that I thought was quite sweet and tender was um, Dwayne Johnson saying that he felt like after this film, He'd made it because when he his first film that he ever made was obviously Scorpion King, which which you know it ropey, um, but he was sitting in the cinema at the premiere watching that, and a trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean came on, and he said, "I will know I've made it when I make a film like this." Yeah. Okay. Wow. And now he has. He feels like he's made it. He's really made it to Hollywood. But I mean, saying that, I think he's made it to Hollywood years ago. I think he's been one of the biggest box office pulls for a number of years now he's him and ryan reynolds are yeah. like two of the biggest box office pullers at the minute and um do you know yeah. what i would say about this film it looks like they had a lot of fun making it yeah like it genuinely yeah. looks like they had a lot of fun making it. and and the thing about Dwayne the rock johnson is he also comes across as a really likable guy i saw a video the other day where there so in, in and around hollywood uh, you can obviously go on tour buses and tour cars and like open top jeeps and they'll take you past and they'll be like i've done it i've done one in la i saw will smith's house and like this is will smith's house i saw an actual video of Dwayne the rock johnson pulling up next to one of these tour buses wheeling his window down and spending like two or three minutes talking to people saying hi and they were like oh my god it's the rock i don't believe it he just comes across as a genuine nice guy can he act if you asked me that question five years ago, I'd have probably said probably not. But I've really warmed to him as an actor. We saw him in that film Skyscraper. Uh, I can't remember if we gave that a good review. I think we actually said it wasn't half bad. But in this, likeable characters, likeable performances, likeable, likeable, likeable. Yeah. And 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's ask questions. Uh, David, Jungle Cruise, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Go and see it in the cinema. It's safe. <laughs> okay. So I'd be pretty blunt. Okay. Emily Craig. Blunt. Uh, Emily Blunt, yeah. Um, uh, Jungle Cruise, is it worth it? Yeah, this is definitely worth going to the cinema to see. I think now we're tailing off to the end of um, seeing it in the cinema. I think it's still available, um, but screenings will be less and lesser as the weeks go on. Um, if so if you can get a good screening, go to it. If you can go and support local cinemas, independent local in local independent cinemas, go to those. They will still have screenings of that because they're always a little bit behind on getting these releases out. Um, the Odyssey in St Albans should still be showing it go and support them um if you're a little bit less than happy to go because of covid let me tell you the independent cinemas have a great way of spreading people out the tables are well set you can get yourself a cheese board a bottle of wine and really enjoy yourself if you're going with kids maybe don't have the bottle of wine or maybe do i don't know but (laughs) nonetheless nonetheless support these cinemas uh this is one to go to 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 watch in the cinema 100 percent whether you, if you're feeling a bit not comfortable, this is the one to break the ice for. It. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, that's our review of what is it? Well, the Jungle Cruise. The Jungle Cruise. Of course. Of course. You're an idiot. <laughs> Thanks. So it's now time for I've Lost Track. It's a, it's one of the films on week 60 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And it is old. A thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach, which they are relaxing for a few hours, is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. Yes, that really is the premise for this film. Let's take a little listen to a clip. Everything's going to be okay. What's your name? I'm Trent. This is my sister, Maddox. How old are you guys? I'll guess. I'm good at this. <laughs> You're 11, right, Trent? I'm 6. No. Really, are you 10, 11? He's not lying. He's 6. I'm specifically 6 and a quarter. She's 11. They're feeling unsafe. There is a lot going on here. They're playing with us. Let's leave it. Have you seen my children? (laughs) Is is everyone trying to play a joke on us? What? Aren't these your children? I'm right here, Mom. So there was a clip for old... um, Where do I even begin with this film? Because... I've not been a fan of our director here for many years. He's somebody who has blown very hot to begin with in his career and then very cold later on, Um, not to mention films such as... um, The Last Airbender. The Last Airbender, thank you. That was something that I've erased from my memory quite sincerely because, honestly, one of the worst films that have ever been made, um, especially when the cartoon version of it is something held in very high regard and something that I've actually watched from very start to end and and loved that series and I felt like it was completely butchered uh it that film starred Dev Patel in it um mm. who came away unscathed by that film I yeah, think a little uh, bit true. um yeah. and did quite well afterwards 
<laughs> this film, however, has a cast that has one possibly rising star within it, or maybe two actually, Alex Wolfe and Thomas and McKenzie. These yep. two are um, should be going far, and I don't think this is going to put a dampen on their career. No, not at all. But this film is probably one of the worst films I have seen in the last two years. At least. At least. Uh, The premise of this film, as we said, is that this family, slightly like dysfunctional family underneath the surface, are on this tropical holiday to uh, I don't know where they are, but it's somewhere in the tropics, I suppose. Well, somewhere warm and nice, very nice, it's got sandy trees beaches, and beaches and rocks. And uh, <laughs> this hotel seems to entice them to go and spend some time on this very specific beach. Yeah, in such a way that it is obviously incredibly dubious. You kind of realise that this beach is going to be a little bit weird. Um, mm. But in the eyes of M Night, this this beach allows allows these people to age at such a rapid rate that their lives are literally blown out in front of them within a day. And for the premise of that, you know, sounding that out a little bit, the premise could be quite intriguing. However, the execution of this film is incredibly poor. From what you could hear from that clip, the the, the majority of the directing here and the way that people are are talking in the film comes across as very it's very poor wooden very wooden very stiff and i i I mean the cameo m knight has in this film he spent more time on his cameo than he did on directing this film i feel like (laughs) it's a long cameo for m knight it's a huge cameo but at the same time it's just it's just like what were they spend doing i mean the, the in terms of like location recce there's about four locations in this film yeah there's not many, not many. At all. um the, the script and dialogue is just utter tosh yeah you're not wrong and and the acting is incredibly wooden the the, the premise of the film is intriguing to begin with but executed so unbelievably poorly that it's just terrible it really really mm. is um the, the cinematography is just not there it it's it is genuinely one of the worst big budget Hollywood films that I've seen in a very long time. So, you know where where has the M Night of yesteryear gone? Where he did signs and well, that's uh, where where I wanted to jump in. So I'm a big fan of M Night's early work. Um, I loved The Sixth Sense. Uh, I was a massive fan of Signs. I was a fan of Unbreakable. I also like The Village. That was a bit of a of a of a Marmite movie, but I like it. Split Glass. Um, he's also known for his direction on Wayward Pines. Uh, led to believe that's very very good. Um, but he did get five percent from critics for the last airbender and that's when the alarm bells started to ring what did i make of this film i think craig is very very right this i have got a catchphrase which i'll save for for later but this is not good from m night and there's a number of of reasons why firstly the the pace of the film um it, it starts okay, but there's nothing that grips the film. It, it, you know, there's no... Once it starts, there's no injection of pace. It's a, it's a very... Bar the first 20 minutes, which sort of tries to set the scene and get us to know unlike our characters, it's a very one-paced movie. Um, 
the plot is is nonsense, really. Um, like Craig said, there's there's a premise there that you could work with. The dialogue, the, there's a premise there that you could work with, but they don't really work with it. The dialogue is the worst part of the film, I'm afraid. It's a very, very poorly written film. And Thomas and Mackenzie is a future Oscar winner, in my opinion. Um, I think she's a tremendous young actor. Um, one, if you haven't seen her in the likes of Jojo Rabbit, but to name a number of films she's been in, check her work out. It's extraordinary. Um, and then as for the twist, I don't want to say too much other than if you're looking for that big M. Night twist, we don't even really get that. Um, the cinematography was from Mike Giolakis, um, best known for Us, Glass, and Under the Silver Lake. So he's actually quite a talented cinematographer. Um, the cinematography in Us, Glass, and particularly Under the Silver Lake, um, we were a fan of that. But here, it's it's very odd, isn't it? Like It's got that typical slow M. Night, particularly in Unbreakable, loves you say a word, then the camera pans very slowly to the right, and someone else says something, and then it pans very slowly yeah. back to the left. But the cinematography here is very, very weird. Um, it's, it, it, I'll just jump in here. Like It's shot for the first time since The Last Airbender on 35mm film. All these other films since The Last Airbender, other than this, were shot on digital. And it... You know, that in theory should give it a different kind of look in terms of style, but it doesn't. It's still a very much a, a, an M. Night film in, in the sense of the way the camera moves, even though it's shot on 35 millimeter yeah. film in terms of the film's look and stock, makes no difference to the way that the camera moves, essentially. And, 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 and like you say, the way the camera moves in, in typical M. Night fashion it didn't really add much there was a there was one particular scene it was actually that clip that we played where the where the camera is behind the children's heads mm. and just to sort of show you that something's different here but but you can't put your finger on it because you can't see their faces and yeah. essentially they've got older and it it was just it was just very i don't know poor in mm. in in terms of camera angle like it wasn't a shot that was typically needed in that sense because you knew what had happened. You could predict it a mile off because you can hear it a in their voices and and b it was just something that I don't know. It was just it was very film school. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I know what and, you're saying. And there's many shots like that in the film. It it feels like it was it was. I don't know, like the director and the cinematographer were having a bad day together. Yeah. Another fact, though, it was shot at the height of the coronavirus pandemic. So people were kind of like socially distancing. They were testing every day, all of that sort of stuff. And that, I think, maybe added to the way that this film has come out. Mm. I think people might have been, or the actors and the cast may have had a bit of a difficult time making this film. Yeah, And I think it certainly comes across in the way that the woodenness of the acting comes out. It's... It's really strange. Yeah, it's it's a very, very strange one. And I want to make it very, very clear that I I am a fan of M. Night's work. And in his defense, what I an analogy, and I put this on my Twitter feed, is I it's a baseball analogy. I feel like M. Night swings hard at everything. So he's not a, a lazy film director. He's not someone that isn't committed to his work. That if anything, he's overcommitted. In his head, he sees this this film and he has this vision with this twist, and it's the best film in in the world in his head. And when it actually comes to fleshing it out, he doesn't quite manage it. And he's swinging hard, and he's that typical baseball batsman that 
if you swing hard at every pitch, you are going to strike out a lot. Yeah. And when you connect, it's a big home run. But this is not even a home run. This is this is nowhere near a home run. This is just a straight three strikes and you're out. It's it's very disappointing. It's it's interesting because it is an adaptation of a graphic novel. Yeah. But it's a very very poor adaptation because I feel like M Night's just added in probably a lot of his own takes as a director should of mm. what this film should be and how the story should go and and what directions it takes and and I just feel like it's just it's not hit the mark at all and and it's he needs to go back to basic he needs to get a in essence a good idea and just make a very solid film so he needs to stop going for these crazy ludicrous ideas make something solid and get people back in the cinema because this did go to number one in the box office but that's but, because there wasn't much else in yeah and it is because M. Night still holds that because when you see from the director of The Sixth Sense signs Unbreakable Glass it, it sucks people in but people's patience and I've seen this on film Twitter follow a lot of critics and people who are big about film they're just saying the patience now with M. Night is, is just starting to wear thin. He's made a lot of bad films recently, and you know we'll get on to the question very, very shortly. But would you like my would you like my catchphrase? Go on then. So bad, it's sad, and I genuinely mean that. As a big M. Night fan, a real fan of his early work, I remember seeing an article that was reshared on Twitter where he was called the next Steven Spielberg, the next big thing in the director's world. It's it's sad to see such a fall from grace, really, because this, let, let me, you know, not beat around the bush, this is really bad filmmaking. Yeah. And it's a really not very enjoyable film. He's got a very talented cast here. Yeah. You know, from Rufus Swell to Thomas and Mackenzie to, you know, uh, to, 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 to... The whole cast is very the good. Whole, the whole cast have, in their lives made some fantastic movies mm. and have shown their abilities um mm. thomas and mckenzie's got a brand new film coming out fairly soon last night in soho yeah. edgar wright's new film um matt smith is in that um anya taylor joy who actually coincidentally is someone else who's worked with m night before and actually came across very well yeah, in, in, in in glass, glass and split. split yeah um was she was in glass yeah she was in glass yeah. as well wasn't she and and you know some part of me says that it's it's the script that's poor, it's and it's the directing that's poor that has allowed that to happen. Some actors and actresses can handle that and and somehow make themselves look better than they are. Thompson McKenzie didn't come across very well in this film, but I don't oh, do think, think I don't think any of them did. I I don't think any. I thought of them, she was sort of a shining beacon in it. I mean, she, there was she she was better than most. But it the, the screen time that she had was very little, mm. and her character seemed very non-committal to to anything that was going on there. Yeah. No real consequences to what's going on. It just felt very I don't know. And because you know she's trying to portray a twelve-year-old essentially, and she becomes sixteen, seventeen, and then gets older and older yeah, and older yeah, and yeah, older. Yeah. And that mentality doesn't change if you're twelve year, years old in your head. And yeah, yeah, for her to try and portray that, the direction needs to be there. It really does. You need to be able to get in the head of that person and really tell them what you want. And I don't think M. Night really knew what he wanted from his cast. He may have screened films of inspiration to them and just confused them. 
Um, he may it, have it's just a very uh, confused piece. It, it is. It is hugely confused. M Night is hugely confused, and I think it confused the cast, and therefore it's confused his audience because I'm confused as to why he's still making films at the minute. Because, well, it's gone downhill for a very long time, and I'll be surprised if he gets more funding going forward. I'm sure he will, but. It, I I wouldn't bet on him anymore. Yeah, um, I mean his filmography just popped up there. Lady in the Water. I just saw that. That was really. Well, bad I mean as this well. this is when things started to go downhill. I think for him, I Lady Lady in the Water, The Happening, Last Airbender, After Earth, The Visit, uh, Split, Glass, Old. Split and Glass were okay, but the the, Not, the Happening was pretty dire split, as well. Again, great concept. Um, poor execution. James McAvoy saved it because of the way, the, you know, the way that he can act. Mm. Glass, I thought, was terrible. Um, I quite, I, do, do you know what? I, I've seen so many films, I can't remember our review of Glass. Well, it I wasn't don't think great. It was terrible. It was pretty bad. Well, the review or the film? The, well, the, the reviews. <laughs> well, I think we both said that it was pretty poor. I think you enjoyed it more than I did. Yeah, but, I think I did from memory. But yeah, um, no. Let's ask questions. Cool. Craig, for you, old, is it worth it? No, I don't believe this film is worth going to see, going to the cinema to see. I don't even think this is worth renting on uh, at home streaming services. I don't think it'll be worth watching when it does come to streaming services of which like Netflix and Amazon are the like, the way you have paid a monthly fee to go and watch as many films as you like at home. If it comes on there... I don't even think it's worth watching there either. So, unfortunately, this is a, a really big thumbs down for me. Um, yeah. David, you? Old? Is it worth it? No. Um, I think Craig is absolutely right. One, it's not worth the price of a cinema ticket. Two, I don't think it's worth watching on Netflix or Amazon. Uh, what I would recommend is go and watch The Sixth Sense. Go and watch Signs, The Village, um, some of M- Unbreakable, some of M. Night's early work. M. Night, I'm still a big fan of yours. I still have hope for the future. But no, old was, unfortunately, so bad, it's sad. So bad, it's sad. <laughs> it, it makes me sad, Craig, because I really like him as a man and as a, as a director, but this is just poor. Is he a mate? I would like to consider him a friend. <laughs> <laughs> M. Night, sort it out. Okay, so the next review here is Stillwater. I'm going to go for a little bit more of a... Well, it's just me on my own here, so I'm going to go for a bit bit more of a... um, Just a little slight conversation with you about this film. Um, I'm not going to be too critical in the sense of what I'm talking about here and how it's going to be reviewed. I don't know if I can get that across very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, That's that's cool. Keep it quite casual. It's live, we'll go for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I will tell you guys what this film was about. I do have a synopsis here. It says, unemployed roughneck Bill Baker travels from Oklahoma to Marseille to visit his estranged daughter, Alison. Now, imprisoned for a murder she claims she did not commit. Now, Alison seizes on a new tip that could exonerate her and presses Bill, her father, to engage her legal team. But Bill, eager to prove his worth to her and regain his daughter's trust, takes matters into his own hands. 
he is quickly stumped by the language barriers, cultural differences, and a complicated legal system that is until he met, meets a French actress who is mother to an eight-year-old daughter. Uh, together, these unlikely uh, uh, allies embark on a journey of discovery, truth, love, and liberation. Uh, this sees Matt Damon in the title role here of um, of Bill Baker. Um, I do have a clip. Let's take a little listen to that and I'll come back in with telling you exactly what I think of Stillwater. I've learned something new, actually. It's helped me a lot. Something called Mectube. A nurse told me about it. It's about acceptance. Acceptance of what? Your fate. It's helping me to stop struggling so much. Stop questioning everything. You just embrace your fate and learn to live in peace with it. It's a Muslim idea. It's about letting go of all of that shame and guilt that pushes you down and keeps you down and makes you feel so powerless. And that's how I felt for a really long time. Powerless and forgotten. And that makes living really hard. You know what I mean? But you're innocent. So we gotta keep fighting. It doesn't matter that I'm innocent, Dad. It's not about justice. It's about finding peace. Okay, so that's a clip from Stillwater. You can hear um, the uh, characters there. Abigail Breslin is playing uh, the daughter and Matt Damon in that scene. Um, this comes from writer and director Tom McCarthy. He's the director of Spotlight and Win Win, among some other great works. Um, this this film took me a little bit by surprise um, when I discovered that this was loosely based on the true story um, of the Amanda Knox case, um, which saw her imprisoned for a really lengthy time, um, despite protesting and maintaining her innocence. Now, this is where it becomes loosely based, because obviously her character uh, in this film is portrayed by, or her, well, she is portrayed by um, Abigail Breslin, um, who ends up having uh, a similar experience to Amanda Knox here. She's imprisoned, uh, what appears to be wrongly, um, for the murder of her her roommate, who, for some reason in this film, um, it goes down a, a bit of a love interest role with, with those two people. Um, don't know whether that is to try and separate it from this real-life case to try and say that it's not that, but... All of the press and even the press release mentions the Amanda Knox case as inspiration for this movie. Do I believe that that then, in theory, is in poor taste? I do. Um, I, I And I think before 
going to see it. I possibly didn't think that. But then after coming across a Twitter post by Amanda Knox herself that comes across quite furious in the sense that what's going on here feels quite wrong. I will read some of this. It is quite lengthy. I would pester you to go and actually go and find this this thread on Twitter mm. because I think it is worthwhile reading and and seeing whether or not you can compare contrast and and come to a, an agreement with her it it certainly made me reflect anyway let me read this to you um it says does my name belong to me my face what about my life my story why does my name refer to events i had no hand in I return to these questions because others continue to profit off my name, face and story without my consent. Most recently, the film Stillwater. The film by director Tom McCarthy starring Matt Damon is loosely based or directly inspired by, and those are in quotation marks, the Amanda Knox saga. Again, in quotation marks because she is quoting their Vanity Fair uh, and that's how Vanity Fair puts it in a for-profit article promoting a for-profit film, neither of which I am affiliated with. I want to pause right here on that phrase, the Amanda Knox saga. What does that refer to? Does it refer to anything I did? No, it refers to the events that resulted from the murder of Meredith Kircher by a burglar. Uh, it refers to the shoddy police work um, uh, it, uh, the, the, and refusal to admit their mistakes that led the Italian authorities to wrongfully commit and convict me twice in those four years of wrongful imprisonment and eight years of trial I had near zero agency everyone else in that saga had more influence over events than I did the erroneous focus on me by the authorities led to the erroneous focus on me by the press which shaped how I was viewed in prison I had no control over my public image no voice in my story this focus on me led many to complain that Meredith had been forgotten but of course who did they blame for that not the Italian authorities not the press, me. However, it was my fault that the police and media focused on me at Meredith's expense. And the result of this is that 15 years later, my name, which is associated uh, with this tragic series of events of which I had zero impact on, uh, and Meredith's name is often left out, as is the burglars. When he was released from prison recently, this was the New York Post headline. Uh, I haven't included that, but um, her Twitter thread goes on on a quite lengthy um, uh, tirade about how this is very poor. And it's, it ultimately summarises, though, with her asking Tom McCarthy to have a chat about why this story went down the road that it went. And as I said, it, it went down a road that that, I don't know, almost not glorified, but it showed this person to be a victim and not a victim at the same time. It showed her to be someone who was um, in love with this person and in rage of jealousy committed a crime, but never admitted it, but always protested her innocence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and has somehow been linked back to Amanda Knox and mainly because the inspiration there for it has 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 appeared and i i don't like the fact that it's gone down the road of being as bold to claim that it has been inspired by it and then leave out and omit so many details about this story that or at least her story that that has painted her in bad light for all this time because it's truly a story about her but but isn't at the same time and i can understand her 
her feelings on it being so poorly mm. and done in poor taste. Um, but at the end of the day, the story is told from the perspective of the father and what the father goes out to do and his faults. And he's such a stoic character in this film that it becomes very much so about him yeah. and and his his duty to his daughter to to free her. But then almost it doesn't. Then there's also a love triangle that appears and there's also uh, mm. this, this strange... Uh, sp- a sideway stories that, that spin off the main story here and its focus is very misled and very i don't know it seems to 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 lead us down roads that i didn't expect it to go down and and i feel i feel like this isn't tom mccarthy's best work certainly not i and i do feel like it's it's accidentally gone down the road of being seen as inspired by a story that is of complete tragicness mm. um and and borrowed a lot well quite heavily i'd say on on her likeness and her story and without even conducting a, simply an interview with her to yeah. garner more insight into who she is as a person and and maybe how she might feel about this story and it is simply profiting off the back of what's happened to her and but more importantly to to a young girl who was murdered that barely gets a mention in this story about who she is because it's all about the other people it's all about those that are alive and well and i don't know trying to make a thriller out of it and it feels wrong it it does feel wrong and that's not to say it's a bad movie mm. but it just doesn't feel like the best matt damon tom mccarthy film you could have possibly seen and I feel like that is unfortunate. Um, I don't think it's still playing um, at the bigger cinema chains, but it certainly should be playing at uh, more local ones. I don't know if that might that might be incorrect now, yeah, as yeah. of as of today. Um, but when I last looked, it was having uh, a few more screenings left at the Odyssey and the Rex. Um, those of you that are local to in Hertfordshire, I'm sure it will be playing in other local independent cinemas mm. too. Um, whether or not this was worth it, I think it was a worth worth a watch because I do yeah. feel like it will get you more involved in the real story. But what that inspired it and educated about it? Did you know about Amanda Knox's case at all? Uh, I will be honest, no. So it was all over the news about fifteen years ago. Um, that the, the yeah, it was really awful. Um, uh, Amanda Knox basically was in prison for a very long time for something that she didn't actually commit. Mm. Um, and that had been proven in the end. And this doesn't, I don't know. It, it doesn't answer any questions about Amanda Knox, yeah. but it really does rely heavily on her story in terms of inspiration for this story. Um, yeah. Just that, yeah. that tweet alone, you've got someone that's clearly very, very angry and, and, it's just the bit at the end where it says ultimately she asked Tom McCarthy to have a chat with her about why this story went down the road it went. You know, that's that's sort of a big alarm bell really ringing there about sort of exploiting a story for for profit, like you said, with that and the and the yeah, because it's not even well. it's not even trying to tell the real story yeah. or anything like that. It is literally just inspired the, the by uh, true events, by true which is events. always. 
difficult yeah. when you see that at the start of a film because inspired by true events, it's better when it says based on a true story. Oh, no, it doesn't even a... say at the beginning of the film that Does it's it not? no, no, but this is in a lot of the press materials. It's inspired by some French, uh, I believe, some French um, movies as well as uh, claiming to be inspired by the Amanda Knox saga as it actually says that yeah which i i do feel is very uh disrespectful to the to the people that have actually been hurt in this story or in that story uh alone um not to mention amanda knox but meredith as well um yeah so yeah i i do believe it would be worth seeking out if you are interested in understanding a perspective that hasn't been seen before in the sense that someone has taken inspiration from a story and and exploited it and and just seeing where these stories match up from the true events to the non-true events yeah. um and and just seeing whether or not I'm going down the right road and what my thought process are yeah. is in this distasteful or is it not distasteful I don't know it would be great to hear from you the listener if you have seen Stillwater and what your thoughts are you can email the show my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com or you can uh, message us on various social medias look at us um, or find us on Twitter at film is worth it or Facebook and Instagram. Just search for us on there. You shall yeah. find if you seek. Uh, anyway, so that was <laughs> um, my take on Stillwater. We're going to go just zipline straight into our last review. Uh, oh, and are it, we? Yeah, that's, it doesn't even need to press a button, do we? No, not necessarily. I, I really enjoyed listening to that. I, I, unfortunately, I couldn't catch Stillwater because I, I obviously caught COVID. But on the back of that... Um, really, really interesting thoughts. I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a watch and do a bit of research as well, which I think sounds the right thing to do. Um, on to our, ne- is this our final film? It's been a long old episode. It's, it's four a.m. here now in the studio. It's not really. What time is it? It's half past ten. Half past ten. Oh, actually, I did. I did actually have to have a quick look at the clock and think. Christ, what time is it? That, that's not bad. That, that's that's good. That's a good effort. Us, Sometimes we go early into the hours of the morning. Anyway, uh, the next film we are reviewing is from Apple TV Plus. It's an Apple TV Plus original. It's called Coda. Uh, what's this film about? Well, Ruby is the only hearing member of a deaf family from Gloucester, Massachusetts. At seventeen, she works mornings before school to help her parents and brother keep their fishing business afloat. I like what you did there. What well, very clever. I didn't um, like that, unfortunately. Oh, did you not? No. <laughs> well, well done to whoever did. Official press material. But in joining her high school's choir club, Ruby finds herself drawn to both her duet partner and her latent passion for singing. Um, before we dive into a review of Coda, let's take a little listen to a clip and Craig presses a button. There are Ooh. plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now. I've got a feeling. I feel so strange. Everything about me seems to have changed. I've been coaching for Berkeley College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship.
So that was a trailer clip for the movie Coda. Um, first of all, we should just add that this is obviously an Apple TV original. It is on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, David caught this first because he caught COVID um, mm. and he wanted to try and watch something that he could actually bring to the table during yeah, a yeah. remote recording that we were going to do um, to, to, to bring this to your ears as an additional film. Um, and he wanted me to watch it as well. I harassed Craig to he watch did. it. He really, really did. He really, really did. I don't have Apple TV Plus. Um, so for me to go and watch it was going to be a real challenge. Um, but David had sung its praises to me, mm. um, saying, I must, must, must catch it. And I um, was granted access by the wonderful people at Apple uh, for a press screening of it. And I was very impressed mm. by it david your praises were to be uh, uh listened to and and i'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the film yourself because i know you've written extensive notes a few i haven't i wouldn't say they're extensive there's a few notes but there. what i would say myself is that as somebody who has gone to a foreign country on an adventure almost to to um uh, work with young children that have uh, that are deaf. Um, oh, of course, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, this film really resonated with me, not to, mainly because of the deaf aspect of it, and and um, seeing how uh, one person of hearing can affect the other people that are around them in terms of those that are deaf and those that are hearing, and how they can work together to to have a better life in a way. And this film really resonated with that. Um, I'm going to let you come in here now mm. and just talk about the film a little bit more. Well, yeah, so this film resonated with me uh, as well. Obviously, my grandpa, who, who passed away a number of years ago, was was deaf, had a, an incredible relationship with him. Um, he, he actually lip-read. He, he, he tried sign language, but he didn't really get on with it, so he, he learned to lip-read. So if you spoke quite loudly and slowly, he could read your lips, and we often wrote stuff down and communicated that way so this obviously i've got you know living with a mental health condition i i i have a soft spot for for all kinds of disabilities but particularly people who are deaf having been brought up with my grandpa being deaf and so i had that emotional connection but the the thing that really struck me about this film to start off with was that visually um it was gorgeous like the opening scenes of them on on the fishing boat um was 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 really really nice uh, but the first thing you notice about the the film is it's really well paced and engaging like i thought okay so i'm at home i'm i've got covid i'm feeling a bit down but i'm engaged with this and it's and it's also really funny like i don't know if you got that like yeah, there were some absolutely. moments in this film that um genuinely made me laugh out loud but i think what makes this a brilliant film is the fact that we immediately feel connected to the characters like i think this is imperative um like we feel connected to to our our protagonist uh, forgive me you'll have to get the names up while i talk cuz um I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, Ruby, played by Amelia Jones, um, who who learned sign language over a course of 18 months, by the way. Um, I think I will say now she's she's superb in this. To, to the point where I don't think it will happen, but there has been some discussion 
across a number of characters characters categories in terms of this film's Oscar chances. I'll touch upon that later. I don't think she'll be nominated, but I think there's a discussion there, and rightly so. Um, and another area which I will touch upon briefly now is just the the, the script in this film. Um, so it's an adapted screenplay from a 2014 French film, um, which. I can't remember what it's called and I did write it down, but I couldn't pronounce it. So I didn't want to embarrass myself. (laughs) Um, but it is based on a 2014 French film. If you want to seek that out, Google it. Um, I I will give it a go pronouncing it if you want. Go ahead. Cause (laughs) La Familia Bellia. Bellia. Well, I don't know. Um, I'm really sorry. Um, that may well be correct, but it's a 2014 French film. Google it and uh, good luck. Um, my French, I got, I got, I was terrible at school. I, do you know what? It's one of my biggest regrets not learning another language because I think it's imperative to do so. Um, but it's <laughs> it, no, it, it's, no. It, I think you're right. Actually, it's brilliant. It's brilliantly written. Um, tremendously fleshed out characters um, and. There's lots I want to say about this, and hopefully we'll have a bit of a conversation and I'll peruse over my notes and see if I've missed anything. Um, But it got me choked up, Craig. And as I've said to you before, I'm a bit dead inside. And I mean that in all seriousness. Like, I mean, during that time, your your body was giving up a little bit. (laughs) But no, I... uh, Films don't really tend to make me get that emotional right they have to be really really good um just mercy was one of the last films i remember seeing in the cinema with jamie fox that really got me choked up mm. and this film had me emotional like i wouldn't say it made me laugh and it made me cry but that would be a catchphrase of the kind of film it is um and i was just so so impressed by this movie i thought it was absolutely beautiful like in its essence it's a really simple coming of age story about this girl who has this aspiration to be a singer but at the same time doesn't want to let her family down who have this fishing business which is almost like a a very um usual trope in these sort of films you know uh, the young girl wants to go off and be her own person but doesn't want to leave her family behind and that's 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 a usual trope but by throwing in the uh aspect of this child being a a a child of a deaf family coda Um, in that sense, uh, yeah, which, which stands for child of deaf adults, deaf adults, exactly yeah. that, not deaf family. Um, but nonetheless, it's it 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 really changes the dynamic of what that trope means and how it how it's explored and how it's seen and and your anguish for the character Ruby, who who you really want to go and succeed in life because she is a sensational singer. She really quite she, extraordinary she really, voice, really really beautiful and brilliantly cast in this film oh tr- superb casting and and the 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 wonderful nature of how this character is is a bit of a loner because of the way that she was brought up almost because she's brought up by a deaf family so yeah. the, her speech was affected by that so when she started school mm. you know she was known as the deaf girl because she spoke like a deaf person because that's all she'd ever known and you know that leaded her to not really have very many friends and the mm. friends that she did have they're great to each other but there was only one other person in, in in the school that she was friends with and so when she finally finds a path that she can make her own and isn't you know it's nothing to do with her family's disability in a way yeah 
it, you want her to go out and succeed, but at the same time, you don't want her to leave her family. Yes, I couldn't because, agree more. Because you don't, you feel like they can't live without her, but at the same time, they can, and you know that they can, but it's it's like you want everyone in this film to succeed, and you're yeah. hanging on every line of what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're signing, and and where the story is leading you, because you're so on the edge of your seat because you just want everyone to be happy. Mm. And it is such an uplifting film. It is very, very wonderful and and brilliantly directed and and brilliantly acted. It's it's certainly an all-rounder. And Apple are very good at picking films that they know will do well in in all aspects of what makes a good film. Yeah. I think Cherry was the last example of an Apple TV original that that was picked up by them. Yeah. Palmer. Palmer as well. These are all very... I mean, they, they all follow... Palmer was great. ...a similar chemistry, don't they? Yeah. A good um, quality film. A you good know. quality films. You know, Netflix buys up everything and anything. Mm. Um, they generally succeed in, in picking some good ones and the lesser-known ones that aren't that great fall to the back. Um, Apple are really picking their stuff. They're filtering out the good and the bad and they're only taking the good stuff and it makes me like it's difficult because i want to apple to succeed in terms of the streaming wars here yeah um they've got the money behind them to do it but they're struggling because they just don't seem to have enough content but if they can find and get more content like this of this standard um i'd be willing to invest a lot more in them and i think i think they've really got to get their films out into the cinema i yeah i, I would agree uh, I think the the problem is is once you you go down the route of Apple TV, f- forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't know the the percentage of the people who have Apple versus Android, but you're already cutting out a large. Well, you can you can still have Apple TV Plus if you have Android. Oh, okay. So that that oh, it shows how ignorant I am. Apple TV Plus or Apple TV now is installed on most smart TVs now. Cool. So you can access it through that. It, you can get them on multiple Amazon Fire Sticks and all this stuff. They all come pre-installed on it now as, an, as a separate app. They were struggling behind in that sense yeah, yeah. for oh, a very, I thought very long time. probably what I thought, yeah. Um, it's not available on every TV. It's only on the latest ones, yeah. et cetera. Um, so I mean, and because of the, the the amount of content that they have, that's their own that they they're putting onto Apple TV Plus, they they almost need to have it out in the cinema first, and then bring it to their. It's really tricky for them, mm. and I think they are they've really got to make something special happen, um, for for Apple TV Plus to succeed. Yeah. Um, and the films that they're collecting and putting out there. Um, Netflix have obviously produced a lot of very high standard material that have gone off to the Oscars last year. How many films was it? Over 20 that were up for awards, was it? Uh, oh, I think I think off the top of my head, Netflix got nominated for something like 40-odd Oscars last oh, year. Even, well, even um, more than that. Then. Not so, necessarily in terms of number of films, but the number of nominations was in the 40s. Right, so... Um, it, it, my Octopus Teacher won documentary from Netflix. Yeah. Chicago 7 was a big Oscar player. So they really Ma are Rainey. picking a, up a lot of films and the, the genres and, and types of films that they're picking up are very diverse, whereas Apple will really like seem to be catering for... The drama, stoic, yeah. uh, coming of age, yeah. you know, Cherry, Palmer, they're all very coming of age kind of actual films that, yes, you're right. you know, um, you know, there's this chemistry and, and, and depiction of film that they seem to really invest in. And 
Time for them to do something different, I think. Well, one thing I wanted to say, you talk about the success of Apple TV, and we spoke a little bit about this film. I just wanted to have a tiny little bit of chat about the Oscars. Where do you... So when you watch this film, did you see this as an Oscars contender? Um, I've obviously done a bit of research into this, so I can share with the listener a little bit about my thoughts on that area. Not too much detail, but for you, did it strike you as an Oscar film? And if so, what categories? This is really interesting because to me, it had the feel of like a a best international film. Like it it doesn't have the feel of a best picture winner. Okay. Um, I think possibly in maybe the one acting category of like, uh, you know, actress, possibly. With with um, uh, Ruby, Amelia Jones, yeah, Amelia Jones as uh, Ruby Rossi, and it, it those are the, I don't really see it going anywhere else, really. Yeah, I mean the the categories that I think it has a chance in is best adapted screenplay. I think it genuinely has a chance there. Yeah, um, Marley Matlin, by the way, as we're talking Oscars, just a, a quick fact for you: first deaf actress to win an Oscar. At the 59th Academy Awards in 1987 for Children of a Lesser God. A very moving speech which she gave in sign language, which I watched earlier. Um, there is a bit of awards talk, but believe it or not, Craig, I watched this and I thought, yeah, this has got a feel of a Best Picture contender. Um, do I think it could win Best Picture? Absolutely not. Do I think it could be nominated? Absolutely. Looked at the betting for Best Picture and it was actually second favourite to win. So this is that that's completely wrong by the way the bookmakers have got that way way wrong um I you know I I think they're got way over the top too excited I don't think this is going to win best picture but it has got an outside nomination chance ultimately do I think it will be nominated probably not because it will have come out too early Big players like The Power of the Dog, House of Gucci and all of that will come out in November and December and people will forget this a little bit like they forgot about The Five Bloods from Spike Lee. But certainly a film that is rightly in award season contention talk. Um, yeah. Fascinating. And Road to the Oscars will be coming out at some point. I am working on it, so do bear with me. Of course, I mean, we're, we're very slow on the main show uptake. To be honest, and <laughs> you were going to say I something mean, about the Oscars. You're not, not feeling it? For this for this film, as uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not. I don't see it being in the most categories. But I do feel like yes, it's come out too early. It has the feel like it could be, like in the sense that I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, but I just don't see it being at the Oscars. Like, it does have that feel of an international. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. Like yeah. a foreign picture, like it, yeah. it, it has that feel, which obviously it's adapted from, um, but it doesn't have that feeling of like a, a best picture, what is your typical best picture yeah. sort of film. It doesn't have that feeling. So so where would it go? Where would it fit in, really? And, the, and truly is is the, the one actress award, really, yeah. and that's it. And and even then, I feel that that's a long shot, yeah. which is a no, shame. You're, you're totally right. You look at the betting, won't go into it. The acting is a long shot. Why the bookmakers have this as one of the favourites to win Best Picture baffles me. It's to make money. Uh, well, it is to suck people in. I did tweet Mike, Mike and Oscar about that, and they concluded it was to suck people in. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I think it would be wonderful for this film to get a Best Picture nomination, but I don't think it will happen. But it's in the conversation, and rightly so. As for the questions, are you ready? Yes, David. 
Coda, is it worth it? Yes, look, I think there's a number of films on Apple TV that make Apple TV worth it. Um, just a little plug for that there. But Coda is genuinely one of my favourite films of this season so far. And what do I mean by that? I mean post-last Oscars. Um, I think it's got tremendous performances. It's got a great adapted screenplay. I think the cinematography is wonderful. Um honestly made me laugh made me close to tears a real heartfelt warm piece of cinema that just gives you a big cuddle and it's what i needed when i had covid so for everyone involved involved in coda i thank you this film is worth it go and uh, seek it out yeah no i couldn't agree more with you david i think coda is one that is definitely worth seeking out uh is on apple tv plus as we've already said um definitely worth the watch um yeah, yeah, I think that brings us really to the end of the show. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, thank you very much for listening to week 60 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Now, this episode was brought to you by Twining's Tea, Red Bull, and another <laughs> stimulating drink. We drinks. shouldn't say what the actual brands are. I mean, none it's of them. not even Red Bull, actually, no, but it's not, it, it happens to be Monster, just a little plug. If you do want to advertise or support us. Um, and and it was also supported by you, the listeners. It was indeed. Thank you for being patient and waiting for us to bring you new content. Um, it, I know it's slow, but as we said, there's been lots of things happening. I'm engaged. I mean, incredible news. Incredible. Um, wow. I, I never thought that would ever happen to me. Uh, but it's <laughs> never going to happen to me. I'm sure it will. Uh, <laughs> our new website is still partially launched. I haven't had the time to really fix it and get it going. Yeah, I'm really it, it sorry. It looks great, though. I will say that. Thank you, David. My brother and I have spent many hours trying to get yeah, it ready. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. It's, it's, and it's as do the listener. Um, if you want to follow the link in this episode, and in the episode description, to have a look around the website, tell us what you think of it. Um, yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback on that. Bear with, bear with us, though, because it will be done fairly yeah, soon. Feedback is key, so do give us some feedback. Uh, and if you'd like to get in touch, tell us about the films you've watched, either at home or on the cinema, or like we said, about that website then you can email the show at my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com that email address again is my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com or you can follow us on the various social media pages twitter facebookery instagram uh, to name but three we're active on indeed uh david thank you very much for being um such a wonderful co-host uh, oh. for putting up with my terrible, terrible jokes this season. Well, I know uh, and this season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This whole 60 episodes plus specials. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with no, no, thank you, Craig, for your friendship, your support. Congratulations. And thank you, dear listener. And we will see you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Getting married in the morning. <laughs> and I'm not the best man. <laughs>